Welcome to the Dog Zone 9000, the official podcast of 1900 Hot Dog. I'm TV's Sean Baby from the internet and my co-host, Robert Brockway. Welcome once again. Robert Brockway. That's you. And we have a, a special guest this week, our old colleague, another of Crack's legendary editors, and uh, not, a, not a winner of a, a Latin Daytime Emmy, but a winner of a couple of regular ones, Daniel O'Brien. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I, I, uh, I think the most... It's a pleasure. I've never been called legendary before. It's uh, unearned. I don't think that's true. I think uh, between the three of us, at least three of us are, are worthy of the title legendary. When it comes to Cracked, I think Cracked is, um, will probably go down as one of those places that, uh, like the Dana Carvey show, where you're like, how did they get like all those people together? I mean, they had TV Sean Baby. They had Sean Baby from the internet. They had... Um, <laughs> Fighting Sean Baby? <laughs> they had Sean Riley, who wrote as Sean Baby for the internet. I mean, all this talent under one tent. I and definitely the- always uh, admired your work there, Daniel. And uh, towards the end, your, your on-screen stuff was becoming very good. I mean, Rocky Star. I'm just kidding. You were always great. <laughs> uh- <laughs> legendary, I believe the term was. Yeah, I think I used the term legendary, and I, I pick my words very Delicately. Thank you. That's I all mean, very kind. Is the rest of the podcast more just, uh, so now, Brock, will you say something nice about me? Uh, mm-hmm. I've always thought you were extremely handsome for your size. All right. Uh, nice. I'll take Another it. thing we do on the podcast, I don't know if you listen, but I like to uh, give very awkward compliments to our guests and, um, and then it gets a little uncomfortable and that it disarms them and allows us to, to really talk about what's important. It's really Which, like a wait, kind is, of psychological so, warfare. Can I, can I ask you, Sean, something about this? Because So is that uh-huh. something that you apply to your non-podcast life as well? And I ask because the first time I met you, I was it was <laughs> like a, a meetup when you were in Los Angeles because you weren't based there. And it was right. myself and a few other Cracked writers. And you like... Without making it feel too formal, you did one by one say something nice and specific to each of us. <laughs> that like as it's if true. you had learned in like politeness school. You went to me and you were like, "You wrote this article. <laughs> it was this. It was titled this, and I really enjoyed it. And here's a joke from it that I liked." Okay, now Soren, <laughs> nice jawline. Now, like or not like jawline, obviously, but like something specific that uh, right. made every person uh, feel like what? seen. Why not nice jawline? Why, why did you have to take that one back? He's got a great jawline. Tell him next time you see him. Uh, you're right. I, I do this sometimes in real life. Um, I, I don't know if I have learned it anywhere or if it's ever given me any kind of a benefit, but uh, it's just, I, I, I do like when, when I admire someone to like, no bullshit, let them know I admire them because I think, uh, like, I, I guess we all kind of give each other compliments so often. And I just like a little sincerity every now and then. Plus, I'm, I'm extremely irreverent on the internet. And a lot of people meet me and they think I'm like going to beat them up or like just make fun of them the whole time. And so it's, it's, I'd like to establish like, no, 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 no. I just, just I'm not, probably not going to do that. Yeah. It was, it was, it was certainly very effective at putting me and, and the other folks meeting you for the first time at ease when I was ready right. to either fight you uh, or like quickly be discarded and hated by you. Because uh, you you know what you look like and how you present on the internet as it's true. as 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 a, a tough fighting man who 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 is uh, unfairly funny to boot and I like went into meeting you thinking well, see and see f- now you're doing it to me like this these are like things I really love to hear <laughs> to hear like. <laughs> 
See, it just it really fucked me up the first time we met because my my strategy is I like to say something really nice and specific about myself to start things yeah. off. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and it just had really jacked that. my entire style. I had I had no idea you <laughs> literally took my fact, which is uh huh. He put is, his uh, dick basket on the table, and he was about to say something about it and be like, "You ever seen anything like this?" And I was like, "I have never seen anything like that." And you, I could I could tell like I, I really. I just had Took to the sit down. Your sails. I had to sit down after that. <laughs> yeah. We we kind of nodded and we agreed that we're on the same page and and now we're good friends. All of that is to say that Sean, baby, I think you're great. You were a very nice man when I met you and and were so complimentary uh, to me and my buddy Soren. Speaking of me and my buddy Soren, we have a podcast called Quick Question with Soren and Daniel. The only reason I'm bringing it up is because right before recording this podcast, we had a meeting. Uh, with our our business person who handles the podcast, uh, and he's made it clear in no uncertain terms that one of the things holding our podcast back from being truly successful is that I don't promote it either on social media or on any of the podcasts that I guest on. And in do you fact, have a German uh, theme song? Huh? Do you have a German theme song? We do not. Well, we do, and it's done very well for us. So that's a hot tip from podcaster to podcaster. Thank you very much. Uh, it's, it's actually more enjoyable to me to, to coyly not plug this podcast, uh, cause I'm trying to tank it so we don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> I think you're doing really well. Thank if you. If you're trying to fuck it up, you got a long way to go. <laughs> and so, um, the other thing we like to do when we open a show besides make everyone uncomfortable, but like in a nice way, uh, we like to sort of talk about, uh, current projects we're working on. And of course you're on, uh the Emmy award-winning John Oliver show. And so uh, are, do you have any stories you're working on that you could talk about or something um, due to air? I guess uh, you're coming back this weekend as we record this. We It'll do, probably yeah. last weekend when you're listening. We're back. Uh, Valentine's Day is our first episode. And uh, we like to keep things pretty close to the chest as far as what uh, we like to talk about. It has been... Uh, so John has been doing the round of interviews as you'd expect and it's just uh like everyone in the world is sort of asking the same question which is like now that trump is no longer in office what are you guys going to talk about and it's like so many things that like have been going wrong for four years that we haven't been able to talk about because you know we're trying to focus on hey uh the rainforest or prisons or uh economic instability across the world and then uh never mind he stuck his dick in a fucking pencil sharpener so we got to talk about that this week (laughs) scrap the thing that we're going to talk about how airlines are completely bankrupt because the 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 president like cutely threatened north korea with nukes again so we are excited for uh the first time in a while to uh, be able to talk about to, to to have our our content not sort of dictated by the whims of our uh, least creative dictator. Right. Is there a story that you um, are quite sure will never get on the show, but would be your dream to put there, um, like a pitch you know they'll never say yes to? I think uh, various times uh, writers have pitched some version of like uh, completely destroying the show. We all enjoy working on the show, obviously. <laughs> um, but like, uh, if you've seen the show, every once in a while we will do like uh, a very obvious misdirect where it's like today we're going to talk about mm-hmm. silly mascots just kidding silly mascots was our way in to um horrible right. abuse in the mascot trade uh and just one of these days i want to like either really steer into a silly thing that doesn't require that much attention uh mm-hmm. or eh, not not or and um 
<laughs> pretend it's a much bigger deal than it is. Like, uh, I see. Like, take one high school scandal and treat it with the same severity as we would treat, uh, like, prison labor issues. Uh, or, or the crisis at the border, but just, like, focus it on this one kid and, like... Like a kid who stole a presidential election in some high school in Indiana. And we're just like, right. just insisting for 30 minutes. Look, this matters. It's important. <laughs> I would love Democracy it. Democracy isn't important. <laughs> right. Okay. In, good. in so all you're its on forms. <laughs> I do like that. Uh, God, you're going to have to refresh me when, on what this was. But there was a time when you stopped and did like, uh, it's maybe in, been before your time, but John Oliver stopped and did like eight minutes on this Hallmark movie. Uh, or this TV series. Uh, Mother, May I Sleep with Danger. That that has to be it. No, I don't think that's it. It's just the only one I know off the top of my head. So if you did say, like, I want to do fucking... I want to do a deep dive into these nine Magnum P.I. episodes. It feels like they wouldn't instantly reject that. No, yeah, that's the sort of... The, the good thing about this show is even when you say, like, what are some dream projects that you don't think would ever make it to air? They've been very uh, generous with us that, like, we've pitched some very silly, like... This is a two-page diversion in our very serious piece about immigration or poison water somewhere. Uh, and I was like, mm. are you sure I can you guys are you guys are fine? I'm going to talk about flubber for two full minutes. You're okay with that? And th- <laughs> they will indulge that like they're very this is I'm not uh I hope this doesn't come up like I'm I'm sucking up to my bosses be, be, uh I mean I that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I just hope it doesn't come off that way. Um but they really if you're passionate about something even if it's like stupid or silly that passion uh, resonates with them because they're they're cut from the my bosses mm-hmm. are cut from the same cloth as all the people who work here. Where it's like, yeah, democracy is important to us, and and injustice we hate it and we want to see it resolved. But also, I'm really hung up on flubber, and uh, right. and and I have I have no nowhere to talk about it. So can I please can you carve out eight minutes of this HBO show and let me do it? And they and and they will. They're uh, they're good like that. I think. Um... To go back to the uncomfortable compliments from earlier, one of the, my favorite things you did at Cracked was when you finally got a chance to talk about Gremlins, the uh, the insane part of Gremlins that had been eating at you your whole life. I really <laughs> liked that video because the, the tone was like, look, this place is falling the fuck apart. So now it's my chance. Who's going to stop me? <laughs> this is 10 minutes. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> E.W. Scripps. E.W. Scripps. Dead Dad in the, the chimney <laughs> Gremlins story. <laughs> That's, I think there are there are plenty of comments on that YouTube video where uh, I, I think if I recall correctly, that video starts with me strapping on wax wings and then going straight for the sun, being like, I'm going to rule right. the fucking school now. Nothing bad's <laughs> ever going to happen. And then the comments are like, yeah. this hits differently now, now that <laughs> everyone was dramatically fired. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you knew and caused it. <laughs> this is all your fault. Why we're doing such creatively fulfilling jobs now. Why we found success and and um How dare you, sir. <laughs> Today, uh Brockway and I uh finished an article that we've been working on together for what was it like three weeks now? It has to be longer than that. Oh my god, time means nothing. Uh <laughs> I think it's probably and, uh, only been three weeks. It, it might be. It but, feels uh, like a season of my life. <laughs> we talked about this briefly on a bonus episode of the podcast. And it's it's a show called Cocktails, and it's about a guy named Ron Merck, and he went to San Francisco, and he apparently had, like, a good group of drinking buddies and said, it's kind of one of those people that said, like, oh, my God, we should make a reality show of our lives. And so that's what the concept started as. And um, it didn't go well. It didn't it didn't go anywhere. The, 
doing a reality show about gay bartenders in San Francisco sounds like kind of fun on paper. But if you go to a gay bar in San Francisco, you're like, this is just very busy and noisy. And I can't imagine uh, finding a narrative thread here. Sure. So he adapted it for like uh, drama and he put together the sizzle reel, which is just a bunch of community theater actors uh, just kind of running around in front of a camera, just mostly, mostly doing screen tests. And he's added slides to everyone about like these characters and like their fucking weird, dark secrets. And it just gets crazier and crazier as like it starts with like this woman used to be a man. Now she runs guns for the Mexican cartel. And you're like, OK, oh, okay. so that's kind of the tone of it is like sort of a sort of a this LGBT person does this. And here they, here's their dark secret. Yeah. But by the end of it, they're fucking fully on the moon and like one of them's the goddamn devil and one of them is a, a half angel samurai and uh anyway we love it so much and over the course of two minutes it introduces 30 characters like that and so can you imagine two writers getting together to write fucking 30 things about 30 people also introducing it so oh sure yeah it is all it is it has got to be more than two minutes uh there are so many characters john just kind of says <laughs> by the end of it but several times you will look at the runtime and be like this is still this is still yeah. going we're it's, still just naming just naming gay bartenders are we really <laughs> are we really doing that and there's like 48 of just just gay bartenders with secrets and they just keep going and the secrets get crazier and crazier to a degree. Mm-hmm. And then it, it jumps like eight levels with Street Samurai, Psychic, the Devil. And like, what? Where is Where this did, available? Is it, how how are any of these people going to interact? <laughs> it, it never got made. It's just the trailer. He made uh, the trailer yeah. for it. And, and nobody it cared. of like, I don't know, if, if you're like me, I, I kind of juggle like 70 projects at a time. And so sometimes I'll think like, oh, I have an idea for a screenplay. And I'll just like jot down some notes and like character ideas and plot ideas that kind of thing it feels like less fleshed out than like 40 minutes of that like it just feels like this is the very bare minimum of of an idea and he's like oh fuck we're just a step away from this being the hit show of the decade (laughs) and so uh, to me it reeks of like lazy writer and like over ambitious idea and, right. there uh, can I love be it. there can be no he put no consideration into how any of these people are going to interact with each other like you cannot have right the guy who's just like thinking about getting a new vacuum cleaner and the devil like and, <laughs> what and are they? like if i'm being totally honest from from a, a content creation standpoint like if this person had known that like an intro sequence was the right format for this idea then it would have been perfect right. like that like the, the the tragic thing about this guy's life is that he thought it could be a whole show, like either an episode or a series or a movie. And it's like, no, 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 no. Two and a half minutes of you listing bizarre, <laughs> escalating uh, lunatics. That's 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 your thing, baby. Like, do it for two yeah. and a half minutes and then and then and then leave. Like, take your check and go somewhere else because this is a say nothing about the plot. No, not a single, not a single word about the plot. It is aggressively entertaining. Like I, the, when so Brockway good. showed it to me, I was like, "This is fucking incredible." I had to keep pausing it to like text him, be like, "How did you find this? This is my dream. It's my dream come uh, true." Whatever the show is, Museum of Home Video. Uh, it's a Twitch streamer that does just stuff like this. That's where that's where I found it. Well, my wife found it and sent it to me, and then I just treasured it. I hugged it tight to my breast and I ran until I did. It had that, that rare feeling of discovery too. Like when I found the, the video had like 6,000 views. I'm like, Oh wow. It's this not even that. Like it, it's it an was internet like, thing. It was like 140 views. Oh, <laughs> it was great. Within That's like the dream. 10 years. 
it was nothing and it was and i really i just hope that we can get the show made since we wrote oh my god we wrote four thousand words about we've one thousand (laughs) percent written more than he has written about the show it's a like seven-minute our- trailer, and we wrote four thousand words about it. <laughs> That's great. Do we? Do you have any sense that this person is still uh, alive? Oh, he's still working on it. He's moved it <laughs> to New York, despite promising that San Francisco is a character of its own. <laughs> yeah, dude, he said it. He said it. He said it word for word. <laughs> he said my favorite thing. When then he moved it to New York. <laughs> he moved it to New York. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's still trying it amongst his other shows. He's trying to get a show called a show called Gaberhood going, okay. and a movie called Ghost Mall. Okay. Like Ghost. I'm, I'm a fan of this guy's projects that will never get made. I know nothing about them. Ghost Mall, M A L L. I'm not trying to be cute or anything. Ghost like Mall, like, it's actually like, like, like a, like a like shopping. A mall. Okay, yeah. It's a shopping mall that is dead. Like okay. everybody in it died, and now they've come back to shop. I'm gonna say. Are you so? I think every town has a mall like that now. What do you think of someone like that who will say, like, I have an idea for a movie, it's Ghost Mall, and that's like the beginning and ending of the idea? Right. I am. I'm jealous of that level of confidence. Like earlier when you said, "Are there any dream projects I have that I don't think will get off the ground?" I that that that's a shallow bucket <laughs> because I'm I'm so afraid to to come forward with like half formed ideas. But I, I right. truly respect and admire the tenacity of someone who's like, I got these ideas. One, Ghost Mall. Two, Gaberhood. Nothing but the title, but like it's good, right? Three, what if <laughs> right. monkeys had guns? Four, what if the guns had monkeys? And it's like, I like fucking go, man. Like I, I, I am one so jealous hit. of that confidence. What are you, uh, <laughs> now that I've, I've spoken in like one long uninterrupted sentence for three minutes, how do you guys feel about what I just said? Uh, let's see. <laughs> I feel like I've, I share some of that confidence. Like I do have a lot of projects that I know I will absolutely never finish. But if someone's interested, I would love to talk about it for for hours. I, I'm I'm with you on the jealousy thing. Like I'm I'm very jealous of that kind of confidence where you just run out in front of people's faces and yell ideas at them, and like you don't really care if they listen or hear it or whatever. Uh, I wish they had better ideas. Like if you had good ideas and that confidence. You would right. rule the world, but you're never going to get you like, so rarely find. It's not like a twenty-something Cormac McCarthy who's like, "I got this one idea. It's called the road, and I got this other thing. It's like this country, and it's not for old men. Like, it's not. You're never going to get that guy. <laughs> that guy goes away quiet. That's what I want, though. I want that guy. I want that guy front and center. Like, run up and just hold you by the shoulders and shake you and tell you brilliant ideas. But it never happens. It's just like. Just a guy that's like, what if there are 40 gay men and the devil? Like, what? What? All right. What if there were? I, I don't know. Write it up. What if there were? That was it. Write it up. I guess, yeah, as a writer, uh, I've worked in a lot of different medias. I, I know the dread of someone saying like, yeah, sounds great. Write it up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so if I went to someone and said like, you hey, Ghost Mom, it is. And then someone says, cool, have it on my desk. In two days, I'd be like, oh, no, I didn't really want to write Ghost Mall. Like, I, I liked the idea of maybe it existing, but the work to get it done is, no, this is not for me. This right. is, no. You were supposed to not like Ghost Mall so that I could tell you my real idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just, it felt like a good enough idea to bring it up. I just, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I fucked up. <laughs> now I'm the Ghost Mall guy. Now that's me. <laughs> so I guess, like, like I, uh Doing this long enough and whatever wisdom I have with me, I guess I can see how how stupid this guy's idea is and how not an idea it is, you know? Yeah. 
And, and so yet when I see him just listing the characters, thing. I'm like, oh, sweetheart, you didn't finish all the work yet. Oh, yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like it's this condescending, been there, seen it all attitude. That's that's how I'm an asshole. <laughs> you, you talk. You, you were worried I was going to beat everybody up, but really, what I do is 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 this. I I take your life's work, your inspiration, and go. Oh, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. This is never going to happen. And and then you go home knowing I'm right. I and, wish he um, just kicked me. <laughs> I heard he was good at kicks. I was ready. I'd I'd gotten so prepared to kick, but he like he's like an academic comedy bully. Wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> Tore my specifics I'm to the shreds. Worst. <laughs> he asked questions he knew I didn't have the answer to. <laughs> Watch me cry. Yeah. So that's um that's what we've been working on today on the site. Uh, this is Wednesday, uh, the tenth. Uh, I introduced a character I've been meaning to talk about for a long time, and I think you'll like him, Dan, because his name is Hot Dan, the Mustard Man. Hell yeah. That's the rule. You have to like him if he's got your name. (laughs) I think you should fight for this nickname because I I think they let this character lapse a long time ago. He was introduced in the 30s. He's like this kind of maniac old man baby in a giant bow tie and chef's hat, and he'll appear in your house when you need mustard, uh, and he'll... uh, All of the ads sort of... Follow this structure. So you never need husband, mustard. <laughs> right? Just you don't, don't do wanna, it. You don't want to need mustard. It's always a husband yelling at his wife or something like, this cold lamb sucks. I'm going to hit you in the face. And then hot Dan will just appear and say, this mustard will cheer up your cold meat. Except he kind of rhymes. Like I, I'm not a very good like freestyle rapper. Uh-huh. But uh, imagine I had made a perfect little musical rhyme. Sure. And that's... Sort of the, um, that's what happens. Okay. A little I'm, hot day in the mustard band. I'm imagining it. All right. Oh, it's very impressive. Yeah. Okay, okay good. good work. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Sick bars and a terrific flow, I think. <laughs> so they, <laughs> this little uh, this little mascot, he also gets called gay a lot because that was just a, a real nice thing to call someone in the 30s. So it'll say like three, uh, this is a direct quote from an actual ad from French's Mustard. It says, three lusty cheers for our gay little man. And I was just like, I, I, you can't was lusty choose used words. Like, I don't think lusty was used like <laughs> No bullshit. Three, Look, I, I three lusty you cheers. about gay. I, I, don't I think had that... to actually, I probably Googled for 40 minutes just to find a second source for the ad because I'm like, this is like someone doing like some rewrite shit and just putting it out on the internet as if like I wouldn't catch it. Right, but that's no, a it, bit. It's, it really happened. Three lusty cheers for our gay little man. But Hot Dan the Mustard Man. That is So I'm just saying, this, if you want to try to make this work, I, we could start calling you Hot Dan the Mustard Man. And you could say, you could come into a bar and say, three cheers for the gay little man. <laughs> three lusty cheers. Three lusty cheers, yes. Three uh, lusty cheers. Oh, insist on my lusty cheers. That's, um, I, so uh, devotees of my work may know that uh, I... <laughs> have struggled with nicknames my entire life and like i have mm-hmm. uh i always introduce myself as daniel that never sticks that's not even a nickname it's just my name but still people are like you can't pull that off so i've never really like <laughs> been comfortable with what i've been called ever and i just like as a child and middle school and high school settled in with being called dan like that's fine i just dealt with it and then we met a second dan in high school and he was immediately dan the man and i was like uh. but i was here first and uh <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, Dan the man went to a different college, so I didn't have that dog me. But there was, I went to college, like, away from all the people who knew me as not Dan the man. And there was a mm-hmm. second Dan on our floor in college. And like, well, that's Big Dan. 
you'll be little Dan. And like, well, mm. can I just be Dan then? <laughs> like, uh, this is a downgrade from just Dan compared to Dan the man. That's true. Just Dan. So That's what they call you now, just Dan. I'm happy. Right. I'm happy to call you Hot Dan the Mustard Man. Thank you. That this is what I was leading towards. Is like this is something that I feel like I can pull off. There's not the the gravitas and the self seriousness of Daniel. I'm not. I could never pull off Big Dan or Dan the Man. I'm fine with that. But like Hot Dan the Mustard Man is like, <laughs> like yeah. You probably won't kind of a joke one on yeah, the show. Yeah. Like that. that it will sounds push like you out of it. Fucking music coming out your mouth. Thank you. And if I'm ever at a party and there's like a second Dan, there's like, oh, I'll, I'll clear things up right quick. I'm yeah. Hot Dan the Mustard Man. <laughs> You're the other. You could be whatever you want. Suck Just know it, that other Dan. I've got this. Uh, I, I think you should cultivate a personality that speaks entirely in rhyme. Okay. Just uh, try it out. Maybe this is like a, a ghost mall idea. Like maybe, maybe I don't want to see it executed. I just wanted to say it out loud and let it sit there. See how... And you should use it to prevent domestic violence. Okay. Um, That's like, we just skipped over how weird that part of it was. Yeah. So there, there's, I was already, uh, I, I broke into a terrible sweat thinking, is there a way that I could rhyme for the rest of this podcast? If I speak very slowly and like really think about my words, I just might be able to pull it off. But then I got this second comedy specific of preventing domestic violence. And I was like, well, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I can't get both of those asks. <laughs> One has destroyed the other. Yes, that's the way. Already, the the rhymes, I think, like, I can, I'll milk rhyming violence with silence for, for a, a couple of beats, but then after that, what, like, that, that's a, that's not a very deep well at all. Not really. Comedically, it is. I, th- I honestly think we could talk about domestic violence and laugh all day long. I really feel like every everyone <laughs> can appreciate those types of jokes. Certainly. Right, I'm glad I brought it up. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. Enjoy it with the people you love. So, uh, uh, before we start the main podcast, Brockway, is there uh, <laughs> is there something you'd like to speak about? I spoke for 20 minutes on Hot Dan the Mustard Man. I feel like I didn't give you an opportunity to uh, pitch your current projects. Uh, uh, my current projects. Even though I... one of them was writing with me for three weeks about gay bartenders. Yeah, I'm just, I'm living in cocktails, man. I've been in this place for so long that I don't remember what the outside looks like. It's just, I, I walk by people and I, I superimpose two slides over them that reveal their dark secret. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I am watching all of the Lawnmower Man movies oh. uh, because one of my favorite things is when you're very, very scared about something very stupid. And it's obvious, even at the time, that this was a very stupid fear, which is why I'm such a big fan of, like, the satanic panic. Right. Because they were, I mean, they were so scared of everything, but it's the funniest when they were scared of nerd stuff, when they're afraid of of comic books, when they're afraid of Dungeons and Dragons. Because even even in the middle of the 80s, you were like, what? No, it's just for nerds. Chill out. And <laughs> magic, the, magic nerds. Yeah. I mean, this is for power nerds, sure. Like, you should be... You should be uncomfortable, but not scared. That's very much the sensation I get with the uh, with what the like the '90s and the early 2000s felt about virtual reality. There were so many virtual reality sci-fi horror movies about how it's going to be used for evil, and like and like the Virtual Boy is there, just you know, like no, it's it's like the little red tennis thing that doesn't work. Like this is what virtual reality is, and yeah. nothing nothing proved that better than the lawnmower man my god even just revisiting that that movie is it's so i mean it opens with a monkey murder i i don't know 
how how much stronger you can get than that. That is the <laughs> best way to open a movie. I, I agree, hundred percent. I'm I'm shocked. I'm shocked and appalled, frankly, that more movies do not do not open. With I think a most movies should, even if, of course, it has nothing to do with it. Like they could just they could be watching one on TV and then pull out. They could even just watch the Lawnmower Man at the start of every movie and then pull out, get to whatever movie you're doing after we get yeah. past the monkey murder. Right, you have to have like a cold open monkey murder. Like maybe maybe the monkey is reenacting an actual murder that happened and then you get to the bottom of that murder, but that's how you approach it. This reminds me that I think that's the article I told you I liked so much, Hot Dan the Mustard Man, mm-hmm. was your article about being trapped in a room with a monkey. Oh yeah, a monkey with a gun, certainly. Right. That that was yeah, you do you that's, that's exactly right. That is the 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 column that you complimented me on. Great memory, great compliment. What a fun time we're having. <laughs> I have a question. Uh, I'm interrupting your podcast again with with more questions. I apologize, uh-huh. but I feel like um, you two specifically are the kind of comedy architects that might. Um, you're some of the only people that uh, this would be a a common problem for. Because Brockway mentioned right. you're rewatching all of these movies, and I'm curious. Uh, so has there ever been a lot of time that you sucked into something that you thought was going to end up being a meaningful piece of content uh, that it turned out was just a dead end? Like you watched every single movie of this thing or like every episode of, of uh, whatever that horny time travel show is, Quantum Leap, and uh, hope <laughs> that you'd come out the other side with some like grand important thesis. And then it turns out that, no, there was nothing there. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like that happens more often than not. Yeah, uh, more of my time is wasted than is spent fruitfully. Uh, <laughs> thanks for making me say that. Out no, loud. sure, no. There's, <laughs> I, I bring it up because like there's there's one oh, that was shit. sticking out in my mind recently. Uh, this movie. Do, are you guys familiar with Pushing Tin? It's, yeah, it's, the air the air traffic control. Yeah, it's, with, it's uh, John, John Cusack John and Billy Cusack? Bob Thornton and um, uh, a very young Kate Blanchett and Angelina Jolie. And they, they work in air traffic control out of uh, Newark, which is the busiest airport, uh, certainly at the time, perhaps still today. And it's it's a truly stressful and, and bonkers job. Um, the movie opens with this quote, you land a million planes safely, then you have one little midair collision and you never hear the end of it. Uh, and because of the time that this movie came out and because it is about air traffic controllers in Newark, you then cut to a bunch of planes flying around the Twin Towers of New York. That's just how this movie opens, because this was a pre-9-11 movie. And I saw that, and I thought, that's got to be the worst opening to, a, like, of all the movies that came out before 9-11. Just, like, <laughs> a terrible, doesn't hold up for the reasons that, that other movies don't hold up. And then I just, like, spent so much time trying to find other 90s movies with very... With, that fit this very specific oh, criteria yeah. of, have op- of having openings that didn't hold up post 9-11 and there's not it's just that one when you put it in a context like that uh at cracked i would always find something i really wanted to talk about and of course at cracked uh the structure was making a list right and so i would just waste weeks months like trying to find other examples of something that's just completely batshit and just being you know i give up on it i i probably have 700 like article ideas that are basically just this is super funny see if you can find four more examples of this very very unique thing 
Nope. Yeah. And that's my favorite part about doing what we do now is that we can find one seven minute trailer. It is. Yeah. 4,000 words about it. That's great. It's just such luxury working on the site now because you just find one video and uh, you're talking about wasting time. And I'm like, I don't think I've done that in so long. Like if I pick up a book and it's a dud, like that's 20 minutes out of my life tops, like looking through the book saying, oh, this isn't funny. I, I did that for the site not too long ago when I wrote about uh, Jetman and how weird Jetman was, but everybody hated Jetman within his own show. <laughs> uh, I watched quite a bit more after after Jetman. I stumbled on Jetman first thing, but then I was certain that somewhere in these, I don't know, 117 different seasons, there was more like Jetman. And I found lots of weird stuff, and I, I maybe will find an angle to talk about it someday, but I never found that magic again, and I just you kept chasing it. You never recaptured that so, Jetman I was magic, so sure yeah. It was still going to be there, and I was so wrong. Well, I was just going to lead us into like the main topic of today's show. And this is my favorite book uh, without any qualifications. Uh, it's a, a self-defense book written in 1977 by Lieutenant Jim Bullard. Uh, f- I believe he was a, a police officer in Tennessee. And uh, he was asked to lead some self-defense training seminars for women. And he took not what he learned, but what he taught and put it into a book. And it's um, it's just a magic magic book it's called looking forward to being attacked and if you're uh, an old fan of mine i i used this this book a lot in a thing i i called a kick to the groin comics which is where i would take pictures from karate books and add word bubbles and little build little narrative structures um and i did mention it on cracked once it's it's just the perfect book so um let's see i'd like to start the structure of the show is i'm just going to read from this book for a little bit and um, I want you guys to enjoy it and learn from it uh, because a lot of being attacked uh, and surviving an attack has to do with attitude. Not so much ass whooping, but like just enjoying it. Yeah, you got to oh. be into it. Let's see. Uh, the thing that was foundational to him was after he gave a seminar, a woman came up to him and uh, she said that she was uh, uh, attacked and she panicked. And he looked at her and he was just like, yeah, of course you panicked. You're a piece of shit. Uh, and that became... <laughs> sorry, I'm trying to paraphrase in a way that, that, that doesn't spoil the whole book. He, he does a lot of victim blaming. And, and this poor woman who got attacked, uh, he decided that, that since she did not enjoy getting attacked enough, that's why she was a victim. And so that's... I, I just want to establish that's his starting point for his his philosophy, for his survival philosophy. Okay. I mean, it, it is true to some extent that, like, if you don't go into a new experience with a good attitude, you're going to have a bad time. Like, it's, it's a it self-fulfilling problem. Sure, it if does. If you've never been attacked before and you have a... It, it, <laughs> it does. Uh, and and I, I, I know nothing about this book, so forgive me if this spoils anything, but... It, it really colors what, um, it sets a very specific bar for what he would determine a successful reaction to a fight. You know, right. like, like off the bat, it doesn't sound like, um, it doesn't sound like winning means you get out safely. Is that fair? I think, um, he's got that kind of, um, limited imagination of like a conservative mind where he has like a, a place he wants to get to where all criminals get destroyed. And so he doesn't take all the necessary steps to get there. So what he does is he sort of imagines you destroying them. And step one of that is to want to destroy him. And the rest, he sort of yada yadas through. So it's it's tough to say like, uh, do you know what I'm talking about with the conservative mentality, I guess? Where 
you sort of believe one big truth, whether it's true or not, and you just kind of make everything work in order to get there. And yeah, that's, certainly. Uh, that's how he thinks. Right. You start. Sure. You start from tough. Like clear. you right. Tough on crime or bad guys behind bars, and then like any right. potential gray area between where we are right now in the world and the end result of in quotes bad guys behind bars. The, right. the middle stuff doesn't matter. Right. And, and it, there's no statistics that he uses. I don't think he uses a statistic in the entire book. And he doesn't even really use anecdotal evidence. It's all based on this one anecdote told to him by a woman who almost certainly doesn't exist that <laughs> came up to him after a seminar, right? Like, never trust, like, a I conservative saying, say here's, like some, here's what someone said to me backstage. It's like, that, that story didn't happen. Yeah. That's an anecdote you made up to believe the thing you want to believe. So anyway, yeah. here, here we go. This is chapter one. You'll never enjoy being attacked if you don't change your attitude. The delightful <laughs> subject... <laughs> I was right. <laughs> the delightful subject of this book is your being attacked. Attacked on the street, in a parking lot, in an elevator, in your car, in your bedroom, in the library's social science section, in your dentist office, etc. Wherever you are in today's social climate, you are subject to attack, which is terrific, because when you're finished with this book, you are going to be looking forward to being attacked. You will have so many wonderful surprises in store for your attacker that the pleasure will be all yours the next time you are attacked. However, I am talking about your being attacked by a stranger, not husband and or boyfriend. I'm sorry to inform you that it is a lot easier to defend yourself from a stranger than from husband or boyfriend. These movements will work against loved ones, but seem more easily applied against strangers. The simple reason for this is that while husband, boyfriend, uncles, and even neighbors may know your defenses, strangers do not. So, most importantly, do not tell your attacker what you are going to do. The element of surprise is the most important part of your defense. Let everything you do to your attacker be a surprise to him. You'll love it. Do you guys remember... So that's, um, as, as, as that's young, how he begins his book. As, as young writers, do you remember... Did you have the same sort of uh reverence for books as i did as like like i i viewed them as such a an impossible dream for so long like because like i took the idea of books so seriously <laughs> that like i can't i i, I needed mm -hmm. to have written for years before i even like had right. any kind of courage enough to be like uh i i think i think this is worth reading this is a thing that i i think is is <laughs> worthy of a book and all it will take is one person to tell me i'm wrong and i'll be like yeah you're right i'll throw it out you're right it was dog shit anyway like i i for decades of my life was like no books are are written by the the special people who know the truth and then there's this guy who's just like yeah this will work better on like not boyfriends or husbands because <laughs> right because, you well, know, he knows it's got to be He has to call that out. Like, this will not protect you from... The, I'm not about, you know, stopping domestic violence. I want that on record. I want yeah. it on record that I've never stopped domestic violence. But it's It truly, will not happen. It's truly a guy whose background is whatever. And he's just like, I'm going to write a book. Here's what I think. This is what I think is wrong with people who get beat up. This is how I think they could fix it. And I'm going to leave no wiggle room. I'm just going to say, like... Yeah. Did you get so it's doing that it's doing that karate thing where yeah. where he's assuming 
that the problem with domestic violence is that your husband knows all of your moves. Right. Exactly. That he's gone into it like a UFC fight and he's like got a game plan. And, and he's like, like oh, I know see, she I goes for the cross block here. Yeah, so you gotta got to circle away from her leg. Go for a takedown when she, because I know she loves to throw that jab. Right. Yeah. It's so good. The idea that like a stranger, he's like, he's not ready for that. But your it's, neighbor might so be. There's so much wrong to unpack. Like, it's yeah. rare that you can be incorrect like eight times in one paragraph. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, philosophically, pragmatically, like this guy will never be right about anything. But it's, it's I do want to read the last. It's that there's not like, like he didn't throw in a racist element as well. Because like, I'm already picking up that general vibe from him. Sight unseen, I'm picking up. Well, the this book guy's... is young. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> it would be outrageous if this guy wasn't racist. Right. I would just be, if there was a gun to my head and it went off, if this, <laughs> never, you get, you get it. Yes, you get yeah. what I'm trying to say. Um, okay. So he talks about the, this woman who got grabbed from behind uh, and she got, uh, this is a police report he's citing. And he came up and grabbed her arm and then he says, give me all your money. And she gave him $10 and left. And he was so disappointed in her because she didn't fight him. She didn't scream. She just seems really scared that other guys in the future might grab her. And this is pathetic. He literally says the words pathetic. Uh, she, okay. She is still the victim because she allowed a social, emotional, and intellectual zero to scar her emotionally, probably for the rest of her life. Not only is she fearful of another attack, she has infected others with that same fear. Some pathetically ridiculous offender who has to hide in doorways behind trees, lurk in alleyways, or figuratively under rocks to sustain his miserable life doesn't merit this reaction. She did the inexcusable when she reacted to his attack with fear because she responded just the way he hoped. He was looking for a frightened mouse and he found one. So, um, I don't think there's a clearer example ever of victim blaming than this. <laughs> this bitch is a zombie plague carrier of cowardice. She is there will be a global pandemic of cowardice that will sweep across the world because of her. And if I could just connect his thoughts for him, he thinks this would have been right. this would have gone better if the man came up to her, this this very real man came up to her, grabbed her arm, said, Give mm-hmm. me all your money. You know, like crooks do. Things right. would have gone better if she had turned around, stood tall, and said, you, sir, are an intellectual zero. That, <laughs> that's, that's what he thinks would have, would have a better interaction have been. Well, For $10. He, well, he, $10 right. was the stakes here. <laughs> he <laughs> makes the point that she could have pulled away from his grip using uh, weak point grappling, which is where he's got, you know, how your hand works. So you've, you've got a hand. Mm-hmm. So she pulls her entire body away from the, the space between his thumb and fingers. And he, and you can't hold on to someone if they pull because your thumb is not as strong as their whole body. That's his, that's a quote from him. Okay. So she should have done that. Uh, also, I think it should be noted that he talks about a bruise that spreads up and down her arm for four weeks after making it clear that he learns about this woman from a police report. So he doesn't mention going and interviewing her later. Which, to me, um, I've got sort of a decent bullshit detector. Tells me sure. this woman probably didn't exist in the first place. So he's, he's made up this situation. He's made up this woman. He's made up her pathetic victimhood. He's made up her bruise. He's made up how she could have escaped. And this is a conclusion she came, that he came to, that, um, that she deserved it. And she's making the world a worse place. So, so to, um, to recap, nothing happened. And he's very angry about it. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> and it's purely a coincidence, Maria, my ex-girlfriend, that she has the same name as you and physical description. <laughs> so this uh, chapter one is just two pages long. I'm going to read the final two paragraphs. This country was built by the superhuman courage and fortitude of its founders may be lost due to the timidity and faint-heartedness of their heirs. The disgrace of this situation is not totally made up in the criminality of this country, but also the reaction to this criminality. We must realize that whenever one person is offended in this country, everyone is offended. It isn't a crime against an individual, but a crime against all of us. It will take a collective response of anger from all of us to stop the perpetrators. Once we stop playing the game the way the offender depends upon us to play it, then we will succeed in stopping his game altogether. So, I, th I think you now get Lieutenant Jim Bullard. It's... Read just the read, read just the start of that again. Our founders and and their heirs. Don't mind. This country superhuman. that was built by the superhuman courage and fortitude of its founders may be lost due to the timidity and faint-heartedness of their heirs. Okay, so this and this. Uh, what did you say? 1971. When when did this book come out? 77. 77. Okay. What I'm trying mm -hmm. to like. What's he actually mad at right now? It's, it's right. Um, there's there's the definitely the crime exists. Okay. Sure, that might be one. Almost certainly, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Certainly, like... softness on crime that like that we would allow anyone to mug anyone is like. I mean, women. A I'm shame put we all women share out there. Right. Yeah. Very, 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 very mad at women. I think also. Yeah, I'm just. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a bit of that. I mean, racists don't ever really need an excuse. They're just racist, and that and that's that's racists are gonna are gonna do racism and think racism. But mm -hmm. I'm just wondering if there's something culturally that uh that made him decide like now is the time that we are losing our country because that's that's where my brain naturally goes whenever i hear someone do that kind of dog whistling rhetoric of right. we are losing my country and it's like okay neat there's a racist uh so what was going <laughs> on like is that the first time yeah. you saw a black person on television uh thriving and then it's like i gotta write a book about how soft we've gotten right now like i'm, I'm <laughs> i don't know ford I, I, president that doesn't do it I could see an, uh, of course, everyone is angry about crime, right? Nobody likes crime. Mm -hmm. But uh, you see the quickness he is to just sort of other a people. You know what I mean? Yes. Like he's like, there is a different type of person than you and I. And the idea that we like coddle them and allow them to exist, that's so weak. And there, it's hard to find his call to action. Like, I don't know who I'm supposed to attack well yeah. yeah but he made a very clear call to action the entire country must get together and destroy right. every mugger personally destroy the mugger. every time right. somebody's mugged several million people get together and hunt him right. down across the country and right. if he lives to see sunrise he's the new president <laughs> i i think i'll agree to that i do it's, it's just uh, it's in the constitution <laughs> okay i'm gonna um let's think about that i think that's a a, a good idea maybe not the best idea uh, let's take in more of Jim Bullard's wisdom here in chapter two. The principle of the weakest point adds zest to being attacked. Zest. Much, much like Hot Dan Limey. the Mustard Man adds zest to your cold meat meal. A little tang. <laughs> so here we go. What would you have done if you had been the lady in the story? Would you have screamed to attract the attention of the people on the street? Would you have kicked him in the shins and hit him in the head with your free hand? Perhaps you would have kneed him in the groin, as your father or brother probably instructed you. Maybe you would have screamed, scratched, kneed, punched, and kicked. Then again, maybe you would have done just as she did, short circuit, so to speak, right down to the middle of your very being. 
you may have even fainted upon his first touch of your arm. Would you have screamed? Well, if you had, he would have been forced to shut you up. Your first little peep would have brought his hand smashing across your face in an effort to silence you. Even if he did not intend to hurt you, your screaming would trigger his automatic reaction of shutting your mouth. Don't get me wrong. Screaming is a valuable tool in terms of self-defense, but it must be used at the proper time. Right? Like, not when you're getting attacked. Right, no. It's, Wait till you're at home. It's an after thing. Have some dignity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's after when you're standing <laughs> atop his corpse victoriously. Then you bellow to warn other criminals. Yes. This, <laughs> this is your kill, and you, you will feed. I certainly, I don't imagine anyone actually uh, picked this book up and read it to get any practical advice. But the idea that someone might have is still very amusing to me. That someone had just survived an attack and was like, never again, I'm going to read about self-defense. And then they're at home like... <laughs> Honey, I'm two God, chapters in. Imagine? We're still not at punching yet. I don't understand. <laughs> I'm feeling really worse than when I picked up the book. He blames so far, me. It's, it's just smile when you're attacked so far? That can't be right. Two chapters, just smile? I need to add zest. Well, Kicking see, in the uh, shin is wrong too? All right. <laughs> Scratching, screaming, li- literally every action is apparently wrong so far. So let's see if we can learn. Would you have kicked him? Or perhaps given him the famous knee to the groin? I swear to God he just mentioned these things. So I I, I don't know how he lost track of the thread after like 40 words, but he did. You might think you would have, but he would have just jerked you off your feet before you came anywhere near your target. The first thing an attacker expects a woman to do is kick or knee him, and he is set for either move. Yes, the groin is a vulnerable area, but most men have an instinctive reflex that protects them from being struck there successfully. Maybe you would have slapped his face or tried to scratch his eyes out. If you had tried, more than likely you would have come no closer to his face than two or three inches before he counters your move. Because he has control of your arm, he has control of you. He can pull or push you, turn you sideways or swing you against a lamppost. Then again, he could have been one of those peculiar types who enjoyed all the kicking, punching, and flailing you could inflict. And he would stand there getting his fill before lifting your head off your shoulders by smashing your face with his fist. Generally... As soon as you make any move to strike him in such an inefficient manner, he doubles it back against you. Don't kick him, punch him, scratch or scream, as long as there's something else you can do. That got a little pornographic. (laughs) It got a little... Yeah. Like, he was getting off to that a little bit. I don't disagree. I can't wait. But that's a peculiar type. Yeah, I I cannot wait. Also, this, this mugger is just, is like a triple black belt. He knows your every move. He's prepared for every attack. I, I know him well. I'm on a first. I, that's Gary. I talk to him all the time. You need to trust me. Mm-hmm. Once you've mugged a few ladies, you start to learn their moves, because their brothers and their fathers teach them how to kick to the groin. Yeah. I apparently I am not. I am not. Nobody taught me man foo because uh, I am not prepared at all times to be struck in the groin. I would argue that I am almost never prepared to be struck in the groin. Right. Especially I do a lot of interviews head. with men, and I'm like. <laughs> I was saying that I do a lot of interviews with men and I say, hey, did you teach your wife any karate moves? And then whatever he taught her, I write those down and then I like train to defend them just because I do a lot of mugging on the side. It's just a... Yeah, of course. You got to... In this economy, you got to have a side gig. I'm trying... Not that I I actively think about mugging anyone, but I, I, I couldn't wrap my brain around being the kind of mugger that this author believes is very common i can't grab someone <laughs> right. and also protect my groin and face and have a hand ready to accept the money should they be a coward and just give it to me 
when I ask for it. Right. Like this is, I guess I could protect with, because then I'm, then I'm, I'm, if I have to like twist myself awkwardly so that like the meat of my thigh is, is where she would strike to protect my, my, my genitals. I still, now I just look stupid and that's part of it too. Yeah. You gotta look cool when you're mugging. I, um, I'm sorry. This book is, uh, it's very crazy. I was trying to, uh, find my spot and uh he just he kind of melts my brain every now and then no I you think don't need to I apologize to yeah that's that's fair i'm gonna just sit here and like daydream of how i would mug this woman who doesn't exist am i, I interrupting too much of... i feel i feel like no no no. i i maybe not even enough i the, the whole idea is that we're just reading this insane book and, and growing together as people okay good i don't know if you if you had like the the highlights of if if we are like two percent into what you wanted to get into we are probably halfway through what i have prepared and then uh i thought we'd like let fate decide a little uh i wanted to sort of establish uh like the foundational parts of it just like here here's how he's crazy and then we'll just sort of maybe just to prove to everyone how i'm not making this guy up or cherry picking the craziest parts we'll we'll maybe pick some random spots and I'd like to start here. Uh, we're still just on page seven. I just kind of want to establish uh, who this guy is, and then we'll go a little more free form. Um, this is called, Don't Just Stand There Breaking the Grip. Escape! As soon as you escape his grip, then separate yourself from your attacker as fast as your little legs will let you chug. Once separated by two or three quick steps, according to how excited you are, that may be 10 to 20 yards, then scream. What will you gain if you turn to face your attacker and slug it out with him? Even if you win, you're going to bark your knuckles, and he isn't worth paying that price. Bark. Move away from him, but this is not letting him run you in fear. A bark is in quotes, I guess, like, um, okay, you have there's more, no... You have more experience than, than I do. Is bark... Have you ever heard that in this kind of context before? I have not. Yeah, but, okay. But this I is... Have. It's, it's just real old-timey slang for, like, knocking against something. Really? Okay. Okay. Yes. Well, I've, I've now you, you turned, can a, turned a corner on this guy. It. You can start using it with confidence, and nobody will ever call you out. <laughs> well, so uh, the other thing about this book is it's a really well-produced uh, martial arts book where there's a lot of different sets. A lot of books will just have, like, they'll spend an afternoon taking pictures of them in a, a studio apartment or something. But this, he goes to the grocers, he goes to tennis games, he goes to the dentist, and he attacks women and then they show him how to like get out of wrist grabs. Uh, right. And then he says, no, no, it's for a book when it doesn't go well. <laughs> right. He points to, to cameraman <laughs> and he licks his wounds. And there's, there's a real like, like darkness to it. Like some of them are very funny, like attacking someone during a tennis game is funny because it's not only in plain view of everyone, but like she's definitely got someone there to help her. Uh, it's also it, pretty far from the gate. Like, you have to go a good amount. Yeah. When a mugger it, opens the gate and he has to, like, run over to you, it gives you, like, a good amount of time right. to be like, well, what's this guy going to do? And what's you he certainly up? don't have your wallet on you. Like, you might actually have your wallet over where you're not playing tennis. Give me that racket, bitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, no! And um, there's one that's very scary. That's the thing. It's like, uh, the whimsy gets really dark sometimes. Like, there's a, a guy in a men's room and he's just a hand coming out of the men's room pulling on the girl. And I'm just like, oh, that's just, it's so darkly weird. Yeah. Uh, there's one where he's attacking a little girl at church. Uh, I'd like to read you 
Page 17 in its entirety. Okay. This is how to escape a wrist grip. Uh, from behind, he grabs both your wrists, if you could picture that. Uh, this woman is on the stairs, and he's just grabbing a woman by the wrists from behind. Okay. Uh, the defense. This is tricky and has to be done just right. The element of surprise must be present in this defense probably more than in any illustrated so far. If your practice partner gets frisky and removes the element of surprise, then just take your foot and kick backward into his groin, simultaneously singing, Surprise! <laughs> Don't do that. I'm only kidding. <laughs> Save that for strangers. They'll appreciate it more. (laughs) (laughs) But he said they would always be prepared for that. Uh, Here's another one, a shoulder grip. So this is if a man comes up to you and has his, um, he puts his hand on your shoulder. Uh, Defense, warning. Do this at about half speed against your practice partner. Stop before making a full circle. Your practice partner is going to be miffed if you rip his arm out of its socket. So, uh, yeah. It is a good day. If it is a good day and you have used sufficient speed, you'll spin his arm in his shoulder socket. This is a terribly maiming injury, which is terrific. If your speed has been a little slow or if he is light, he may just spin and only be thrown to his uh, thrown on the ground to his back. So a lot of the book setup is that you're just a tiny little woman you can't ever win a fight but once it comes time to like actually do these moves like they're just these fucking terrible things like you might snap the man in half if you do this wrong and now you're gonna pull his arm off and beat him with it (laughs) you're gonna tell him quit hitting yourself while you're doing it but he can't because you're doing it and uh i read i read you that part where he's talking about some dudes just super into it if he's like beat on him and he'll just like let you beat on him for a while before he kills you that's he rewrites that probably twenty different ways up until this point. Like how you're just like Okay, a, so some men so in quote pointless. marks enjoy being beaten. Let me teach you mm-hmm. how to beat me in the way that I enjoy. <laughs> I gotcha. I got what this is. This is uh, let's see. Here's what's such a bummer about this is that uh I I wish I could write something like this, but I'm not allowed to. There's no market for <laughs> fake 1970s self-defense as written by uh, a horny maniac books. There's not, I can't, I can't do that. Uh, and even, even if there was I would argue that one 900 hot dog, we would love an article exactly <laughs> but, as you're, if you're pitching us, we say yes. But the, the thing is, I, yeah, I, sounds I can't, great. I can't, I can't go beat for beat with this guy. Like I would never come up with the specifics of like, and here at a tennis game at the dentist's office, are you a little girl in church? What if you're walking down the stairs and he grabs both of your wrists from behind? Like, I don't have it in me. I'm not imaginative enough to do what this guy, to uh, come up with the version of reality that this guy thinks he lives in. Exactly. He's, he's beyond parody. It's... If you're on a roof and he grabs both your ankles... <laughs> I will teach you to defend against this. <laughs> I promise he's a very real man, though. I, yeah. I mean, I, no, I, I, we all I, lived through. I believe you through and the last four years. We understand that there's people out there uh, with where we have no capacity to parody them. They're just ridiculous, and, yeah. and he is one of them. I 100 percent believe you. And if uh, if my girlfriend is ever attacked uh, at at the driving range on her birthday. <laughs> Like, God help me. I hope she reads his book because that's the only way she'll be prepared for that kind of nonsense. <laughs> I imagine you just hit him in the 
head with the golf club, right? Yeah. No, that's exactly what he'd be prepared to defend against. <laughs> sure. If you're in a golf, if you're mugging at a golf club, that's the move you expect. Right, because in this scenario, he's asked me. No, you got to attack with the birthday cake. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're like, hey, have, he's uh, like, hey, pal, if I grabbed a, somebody's girlfriend, what would you do? And you're like, well, I, I suppose I'd hit hit you in the head with a golf club. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, wait, oh no, what did, what have I done? <laughs> that wasn't the ball boy. <laughs> So I'd like to uh, read now from chapter three, which is called Unbalancing an Unbalanced Attacker is a Delight. Principles of Unbalancing. When I said you were going to look forward to being attacked, I was thinking of your using unbalancing techniques against an attacker. Unbalancing techniques make being being attacked an absolute delight. Remember, do not tell your attacker what you're going to do. So long as the element of surprise is present in your defense, it will work. Speed, timing, and leverage coupled with surprise makes unbalancing your attacker easy and a heck of a lot of fun. Okay. That's, so, that's like his number one tip is don't explain what you're about. I'm going to turn and punch you in the neck. Oh, how how were you prepared? What have you done? Here, every woman is just an anime character yelling moves out. <laughs> Here, here's a story that I'll so, tell as, as as briefly as possible to explain why I love this guy's writing style so much. So it's my freshman, it's my sophomore year of college. I have a roommate. His name is John. He's the worst person in the world. Uh, I hope he's dead now. And he <laughs> fuck you, John. He made uh, he made my living situation so terrible because he's just a, a disgusting trash person uh, who filled the room with cigarette smoke and and his farts and like every bad thing you could imagine a roommate to be. He embodied that. Uh, to the nth mm-hmm. degree, and one of the things this is not like this is like like barely registers on the list of horrible things about him. He used my coffee machine to make coffee one time and never cleaned it and didn't uh, tell me about that. And then like days after it had just been sitting there collecting mold, I was on my way out to go to class or something, and he was like, "Oh, by the way, before I ever get the coffee that's in the the pot, that's coffee that I made." Like four days ago. Uh, so if you see coffee in there, uh, don't drink it. It's old. And and that really stuck with me as like huh. him thinking he was being helpful. But I really wanted right. to respond to him with like, you are uh, preparing me for a problem that only you would have. No one else in the world <laughs> would see a strange is- pot of coffee and assume, oh, I guess I made this this morning. Hmm. I don't uh, recall like, that, but it uh, sounds like yeah, something I would have done. Yeah, I do like coffee, and I'm going to just, like, pour this cup. Hey, oh, no, I've, I've been fooled again. Like, I don't – I know where all my food comes from, <laughs> so that's not a problem that, like, is an issue in my life where I just, like, find errant sandwiches around and forget where they came from. I recognize that this is a very real issue for you, that, like, mm-hmm. you've probably – drank someone else's shitty coffee multiple times in the past, but you have to know that this isn't a concern for the general population. That's how this guy writes. And I, I'm obsessed <laughs> yes. with that kind of mindset because it's like, now I know what you're thinking. Announce your karate chop in advance, but don't do that. <laughs> no, don't do it. <laughs> That's going to tip them off. Of, yeah. A lot of people aren't as smart as me. They, they don't think at this high level, but you want to keep it. <laughs> Feels your real good to say karate chop, <laughs> but uh, try not to do it until after you chop. <laughs> I do sometimes uh, yell out moves when I do them. Uh, I'm not. Uh, Who I, doesn't? I, I, I know. I, I 
Here's another thing. Uh, this is totally an aside. Uh, I, I do this thing where um, I, I'm not as my re as I get older, my reflexes fade. I, I do this thing where I'll block a jab with just a headbutt, and I say it like it's a new thing, but I've been doing that since I first learned how to box. And uh, I think I learned it from that Brian Dennehy movie. Uh, it's called Gladiator, but not the Russell Crowe Gladiator. And he like it's a bare exactly knuckle boxing what you're fight. About. Yeah, so he headbutts that guy's hands and they shatter. And I'm like, that's fucking awesome. And so best. you can just take lessons from movies if you want. And so I took that lesson and I still do that. And uh, I've since tried to like train myself out of it because uh, it's it's not great to headbutt punches. Uh, but I, I here's the thing: you can't unlearn Hulkamania, and <laughs> that's really the lesson I'm trying to impart. Is that <laughs> Right, you okay? In in that case, if I uh, there has to be a clause, if the move is sufficiently crazy enough, you absolutely have to say it while you're doing it. Otherwise, they're going to think it's an accident. They have to know you did it on purpose when you headbutt their punch. They have to. Yeah. They can't be like, "Oh, I I was going to sneeze. I'm right. sorry. Try that again." It has to be headbutt. What? That's <laughs> fucking crazy. Why would you do that? Uh, there's another move I really like. Uh, it's uh, spinning back fist. It's pretty effective to like close the distance. If you throw it really hard, it's it's it hurts. Um, yeah. But is that, I like to do it like Lorenzo Lamas, where he'll like throw the back fist and then spin back to where he was, rendering it virtually like pointless. And so I do like to throw that move and scream Lorenzo Lamas at the same time. <laughs> and that's just the kind of the kind of fun I like to have when I'm fighting. It's not pointless. <laughs> it it flared his ponytail out. It that's true. It looks you his beautiful hair twirling. It looks sweet as hell, and you just you can't hurt a stunt guy with it. It's just like Lorenzo, do that all day. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. So um, let me continue. The first attack from uh, from chapter three is the flirty guy approaches from the side. Your defense to this: you hesitate in front of your favorite department store to admire a dress on display in the window, like a woman does. I'll continue. You stand there trying to figure out how to work it into your budget. Behind you stands a fellow admiring you and trying to figure out how to work you into his budget. This is wait, what? incredible. Yeah. He, has a, he has a budget for attacked women? Like, <laughs> I can got, only have three? I think he's just got, like, 40 minutes to, like, sexually assault women before he has to get back to work. So it's his time no, budget. It's a schedule. He said yeah. budget. Yeah, he did. He said budget. I think that was just for the um, the elegance the, to mirror the... It's like poetry. It rhymes. Um. He slithers up beside you and wraps his arm around your waist, offering to buy the dress for you. You might say, size seven, or whatever, and encourage him to buy you the matching shoes and purse. But I hope you would throw him to his back, leaving him screaming outside as you run inside, screaming too. This is, here's another thing that's Does effective. Does that offend <laughs> That's, that's effective about his, his writing style is that it's very similar to like the rhetorical style of uh, Tucker Carlson type someone who they throw so many different things that you want to dispute at once that you right. can't re yes. like it, it would take too long because now i'm spending there's like 10 wrong points and each of them would require me 20 minutes to explain why they're wrong and so at the end i just mm -hmm. throw up my hands because i'm i'm defenseless here like they're like like a Tucker Carlson, and he wins like, the debate. Elon Omar and AOC plus three, they want us to go to be socialists like they are in Venezuela. Well, we, ha we saw what happened with Duterte. <laughs> and I'm like, hold on, slow down, slow down. I'm, I, I, I only wrote down Elon Omar so far. Like, <laughs> you need to go back. And like, by the time I, I look up, Tucker Carlson is already at, and, and, and that's why black lives don't matter. I'm like, ah, right. fuck. Like, 
God. There are too many threads for me to pick up on there. That's what this guy, like, I'm still, I'm still, like, knee-jerk 2021 mad that his go-to is a woman <laughs> staring at a dress at her favorite department yeah. store trying to figure <laughs> out really how is. it fits into her budget. And I'm like, hang on, sir, that's not, that's not how, that's like a, uh, like a dated stereotype right now. And then, like, by the time those words are out of my mouth, we're... 20 miles down the road and there's nothing Mm -hmm. i can do there is an art to it there's an art to being like he he probably only said like 14 words there and he's 16 different kinds of wrong like it's the packaging is just it's the compression rate his compression rate is amazing right it's the things that he doesn't say that like the resonation from earlier where where you're like oh yeah he said that like women would only know how to knee someone in the groin if they were taught that by their father or brother like not even like your father, like your Couldn't brother, work like, that your, out yourself. like uh, someone age of your same age knows how to attack someone because they're a boy. Right. Like he just can't picture women knowing to knee someone in the groin. Now, honey, I've learned this over sixty-five years of being a man. <laughs> uh, balls. Yeah. He, he, the end. That's it. Did you even know about them? Yeah. Anytime I try did to rob someone. And they knee me in the balls. I'm like, whoa, you didn't tell me you grew up with brothers. <laughs> How did you think of this? <laughs> well, uh, we'll continue the attack. Uh, the Does that offending hand have to be at your waist for you to perform your throw? The truth is, if he knows anything about molesting, his hand is not likely to be at the waist. We know where it will probably be. But even if it is on top of your head, it won't make any difference. He's too close, and that's his undoing. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> if he knows anything about molesting, if he went, if he went to molesting college, <laughs> yeah, that's in this in this very specific community where like it's a group of people who are all molesters, and then they watch so- someone else. <laughs> put his hand on someone's some woman's waist and they're like this guy doesn't know the first fucking thing yeah, about molesting <laughs> what an asshole <laughs> oh what is this first day in molesting school come on get this rookie shit out of my house there uh there is an attack in this that's uh a woman at a bus stop and uh jim bullard does all of this photography himself so he's he's the attacker in all these pictures and he does come up behind her and grab her by the tits and this one i think he's like you know i don't want to be seen in this picture so he has a fucking potato sack on his head in the picture so she's being full-on like groped Attacked at the bus the step by, sack, man. by like a resident evil 4 monster <laughs> <laughs> not that i'm i'm trying to it's give it's so good so, oh that's that's where they got the idea <laughs> yeah, this is the, where they got the inspiration i mean i just don't want to like note this guy's book to death or anything like that but if (laughs) assume that your reader genuinely does want to learn how to defend herself or herself and like don't be don't be coy about the language don't be like we all know where he's gonna put his hand no like like Mm -hmm. no one could actually learn from your book but just pretend for a second that they that they want to and like go for it explain what like i don't know why uh, in your really book, where you're, that we're where you're trying to teach people how to save their lives from uh, murder and molestation, like don't. Why is it G-rated? What the like? What the? Who is this for? Right. There is this something about self-defense books that uh, 
even when they're like, here's exactly how you break out of this hole, or here's exactly how you throw this type of kick, there's something about him that's like, yeah, we, you can't really control test this stuff, you know what I mean? And so when you go through an entire book, and, and again, I, I have a lot of experience sparring, which, you know, maybe I haven't been in a, like a real fight since high school, right? But like, I, I can look at these books and say, this probably won't work, or this probably will work. And, but who the fuck knows, right? Like every mugger is going to be different. Mugging is a beautiful spectrum. And (laughs) just the idea of like, oh, don't scream because they'll do this or don't punch, do this. Don't hit in the groin. It's like, uh, I I feel like this is all just like a theater to make people feel better about themselves. And, And the choices he's making to make me, the reader, feel better about myself are very strange. Because assuming I was a mugging victim, he's already said, like, that's because you're a piece of shit and it's your fault. And here's how you do it next time some pervert tries to, like, flirt with you. Because, again, a lot of these are terrifying uh, sexual assaults, but there's probably 15 that are just, like, uh, misinterpreted, like, over-the-line flirts. Where, where, Where physically attacking someone for putting their hand on your leg is, like, maybe not the best move. I mean, definitely he's a bad guy for doing that. He deserves to get beat up. But like to to escalate that to like a karate fight is maybe not the safest option. Is I, I don't know. Sometimes it is. That's my point. He definitely, <clears throat> he thinks that there is like a bizarro universe version of himself out there that is writing this book for muggers and molesters. <laughs> right. And that he has to combat this rival source of knowledge like there's. Like, there's mug foo that they're out there studying. Like, if he comes at you with your classic between-the-butt-cheek grab, you need to counter. Like, like yeah. There is a rival well of knowledge that he expects every mugger to adhere yeah. to right. and, and train by. I but also feel like... He, he makes... I, I feel ahead. like describing the, the would-be attacker outside of the department store as uh, a flirty stranger is giving mm-hmm. a little bit too much... There's too much generosity there. For the attacker, like like I half expect, like the flirty stranger comes up, puts his hand on your waist. Here's how you could break his grasp, or you know, flirt back, see if you like it. I don't know, like like there's, there's <laughs> right. some element where it's like, or give him a chance. Who knows? Maybe he's gonna buy you that dress. How about that? You saw a pretty woman. I didn't, but I imagine it's something like this. <laughs> I think you're right. I think uh, cowards. Richard Gear came up to her and he put his arm around. Uh, her breasts like a good <laughs> molester mm-hmm. and then and... he took off the potato sack and she was like oh yeah oh richard gear okay yeah, yeah. pretty handsome and, and it's uh, clearly and then she said the i'm going to sack. i'm going to knee you in the dick now richard gear and he says haha you revealed too much of your plan <laughs> <laughs> okay so that's those are the ones i wanted to uh read to you just to sort of let you know the foundation of 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 how fucked up this dude is. I'd like to now read you the um, remaining um, eight chapter titles and descriptions. So here we go. Chapter four is called Life Affords Few Pleasures That Can Equal the Striking of Vulnerable Areas with an exclamation point. (laughs) Chapter five is called Applying Pressure Points Against Joints to Surprise, Bewilder, and Gain the Admiration of Your Attacker. Hey now. <laughs> wow, I really I really respect that. You know what? You're hired. <laughs> Chapter 6. Putting the old spark back in your obscene telephone calls. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
It's <laughs> no, always... you made that one up. I didn't it's... make it up, I promise. What? <laughs> I promise. Wait, wait, read that again? Putting the old spark back into your obscene telephone calls. There's always... There's, is... there's a, a twist at the end of every chapter title that makes it so perfect. And I, it's always a surprise, and I've loved it every single time. It's always something like... Here's how to dislocate his jaw this autumn. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I think you might like chapter seven. Is it ever possible for you and your burglar to have a meaningful relationship? (laughs) (laughs) Where do you go from here? Where do you go from? I'm glad you asked because chapter. How do you turn that? Chapter eight. Don't shoot the peeping Tom. He may be your next door neighbor. (laughs) What? The, The depth. Of the strangeness. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, he is actively... He has gone from kind of advocating murdering them to mm-hmm. on their side. Yeah, he's like, give him the benefit of the doubt. So... Now, now so Sean, you've read this whole thing? I have. Um, where do we land on Chapter 7? Can you have a meaningful relationship with your burglar in time for the uh, Christmas ball or whatever? I, I don't think so. Um, it says, uh, so it's warning you that like yeah. don't try I know your yeah. natural instincts are going to assume that this is dating material yeah, but a, I'm a, warning you it makes it even better that he like burglar. That, that he digs into it and then comes at the end of it and he's like look I looked at this from every angle you can't burglars are burglars that's just in their <laughs> yeah, nature you know they're not great people short term relationships uh, but long term no no they're just too different here's, he's, here's gonna, why he, he's gonna rob someone else he explains, by nature, burglars are shy and skittish individuals tending to be withdrawn and antisocial. They much prefer to be left alone in your house with plenty of time to rummage through your possessions, weighing the value of each article. They tend to be night people with a distaste for light and airy surroundings. Most burglars are not disposed to hard work entailing prolonged effort, but much prefer the simpler challenges of standard locks and casement windows. Though quiet, they are not particularly neat. Some burglars leave houses in shambles. I'm afraid the majority of burglars detest animals of any type and have marked antipathy for barking dogs. So, um, I guess that's, if that's something you're interested in, that's, um... They have nictating membranes that protect them from sudden light. That's, that's... They can burrow if frightened. Some of the gentlest and cutest way to describe burglars, that if you went into someone's house, you're like, yeah, Hey, well, what are you doing here? Don't it? I'm shy! <laughs> Get out of here! I don't like all the... Could you turn the lights you dim off? the lights? Come on. <laughs> I don't like the way my thighs look in my burglar pants. Stop it. <laughs> That's the only reason I'm not robbing you in broad daylight. <laughs> What's your size? Just... Chapter 9 is called Exhibitionists Could Be Nice If They Were Not So Bashful. And one, one, chapter one more, 10 one, is... No, 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 no. How dare you? One more time around <laughs> on chapter 9? <laughs> Exhibitionists Could Be Nice if they were not so bashful. How were they bashful if they're exhibition? I, I agree. No, because now it may... I get it. This is like this is like clickbait of 1977. It is very clickbaity. The cha- the page... It's making, it's making me want to read the chapter to find out. <laughs> the chapter the is one page so long. Bashful. The national pastime of streaking has made exhibitionism almost a thing of the past. Unfortunately, there are still those... Terribly traumatized by their first encounter with the exhibitionist. Exhibitionism is almost entirely an avocation of male adults. Females are born exhibitionists, and certainly no one objects to this fact, especially males. 
So wow. That's fuck you in like eight ways. Fuck you, just... <laughs> fuck you in all the ways, pal. <laughs> wow. That's... <'cause> chapter <laughs> so I'm glad nine, we read a bit of that chapter. Chapter uh, 9 was... Chapter 10, driving by yourself can be very exciting. Okay. Um, no objections to, to chapter 10. Driving by yourself can be very exciting. I'm fine yeah. with that. Chapter 9 fine. is 100%. It can. I agree. Like uh, someone invented... Someone in... 2017 invented a babe.net headline generator <laughs> and they came up with chapter nine. Yeah. It's well, real that, troubling. What do we think? Is that reference going to scan for this audience? 2017 babe.net jokes. <laughs> I, I think yes. they'll get it. I think there's context to understand it. All right. I good. think babe.net is inherently descriptive. Okay, good. All right. Uh, chapter 11 is uh, sort of sums it all up. It says walking streets, parking lots, alleyways, and theater aisles. Looking forward to being attacked. So these are like all the locations where that might be really nice for that to happen. And those are the chapters of looking forward to being attacked. Um, I want to read the very last, um, very last paragraph. Well, it's chapter 10, Brockway. Driving alone can be nice sometimes. Yeah, driving alone can be very exciting. Oh, exciting! And I, yeah, I agree. I like a, a nice solitary drive. Absolutely, put on some music and and like. I never belt thought. It out. Yeah. I would say I agree with this guy, but he did it. Yeah. He pulled it out. This is a guy who wrote most of this book when it was raining, and then wrote chapter ten on a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> He's real susceptible to those mood swings. Like, yeah. like you know when you put on sad music when you're writing and you're like. Oh, all my writing is really taking a touching tone. Yeah, that's what happened to this guy. <laughs> and then Saints come marching in, started playing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, ooh, all right. Here we go. Picking up. Okay, this is how it, this is the final paragraph of the book. Have you ever seen a mouse chase a human being? I'm not talking about a rat, but a tiny little mouse. A little mouse with no avenue of escape will rear up on her little haunches and expose her tiny little claws to strike at the oncoming danger. People run out of the house. All you have to do is walk over to the little mouse and step on it. It will be gone, but no one does that. When the little mouse takes that stand of resistance, people will run from it. If that attitudinal stand will work for a tiny little mouse, will it not work for a nation? (laughs) (laughs) And then, I swear to God, I swear to God, there's a a mail-in thing to uh to order from him directly a protect her mini ice scraper keychain and so it's just like a little ice scraper that you could presumably like use as a knife against an attacker it's um five dollars one dollar for postage and then a one giant blank page and at the very top of it it says list the freedoms you have lost that's it. Wow he he thought he was he thought he solved the country. I thought we were yep. working on like a person to person basis, and at the end he's like America fixed. So we you just gotta freak the fuck out until muggers are scared of you. That's I couldn't. Oh god damn it! I couldn't imagine a better. So that's my favorite book. <laughs> fuck that rules like, so much. Yeah, you never, you ne- you're right, like, no one could have imagined it. Like, if you were doing a parody of it, no, you wouldn't think, let's have a blank page at the end that just says, list the freedoms you have lost. Yeah. It's just, but, yeah, I do now, everything I do is now going to have a blank page at the end that says, list the freedoms you and have it, lost. It's, it's not, a, like, a running theme of the book. 
<laughs> Very little of the book is about like loss of personal freedom. It's about like the loss of like the integrity of the nation that would allow crime to be on the rise. I just looked around and it turns out the Star Spangled Banner is not playing anywhere. <laughs> I I guess it's just put, in my head. Put it on the yeah. list. It doesn't seem right. It's, it's seems about right. <laughs> it's so compelling. I I I would love to just be in an audience and watch him deliver the entire book. Just say it all. Just because I'm absolutely hooked. When he gets that yeah. last paragraph and it's like, have you ever uh, seen a human run away from a mouse? I'd be like, everyone oh, shut yeah. the fuck yeah, up. Lieutenant Let's see Jim. where he goes. Yeah. Let's see. I, yeah, like, I've seen, every, I've actually, seen that, Jim. Like, actually, pause. Everyone write. Give him time to breathe. Everyone, Give him time to move. Right, let's, uh, all, let's, all applause, down, yeah. let's all write I've, down I've where we gym. think this is going. Let's all write down <laughs> the last word we can imagine of this book. And I guarantee you. None of us are going to get it right. And then he closes with the nation. Oh, God. So good. Thundering applause. If this was a one man show. You know, a lot of ways it's yeah. a perfect allegory because America as a nation is like just a tiny little mouse. Like we, we don't have any military strength. Mm -hmm. We don't have any like personal armaments. Uh, our people are a very frail and tiny people. Mm -hmm. un radically underweight. Uh, Short, tiny people. Um, anyway, the point I'm getting to our is biggest and our biggest problem is that we are just not confrontational enough. No. Right? We're just these timid little things. People say, "Put on a mask to protect your neighbors," and we're like, oh, "Okay, Mr. Government." <laughs> I I love. Did I did I follow the metaphor right? We are we are the the mouse. We need to be we're the, the mouse. mouse. We are the mouse. Yeah. It's it's such whiplash he's like there's the mouse who's <laughs> affecting this pose and people don't realize you could just mm -hmm. go up to the mouse and step on it but people run away right. and i'm like i see where this is going i'm the people nope <laughs> fucking nope, nope. nope. <laughs> you're that fucking helpless mouse you're not even the mouse america is the mouse <laughs> you're this little kitten standing sideways trying to look big you're not even here you're not i'm not even talking to you anymore i'm talking to i'm talking to the nation <laughs> You're a cardboard cutout of Kevin Sorbo oh, pretending to be the real Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> oh my goodness. But, but you're not. Can I That was a terrible, terrible work of art. Thank you. Would you spell his it's name so I can look at pictures of him on the internet, please? Uh Lieutenant uh Jim Bullard. B-U-L-L-A-R-D. And uh this book has been discovered by a few found footage type places, so I'm I imagine you'll find lots of uh Lots of pictures from the book. And, of course, if you go to shawmaybe.com and find the Kick to the Grind comics, you'll find sure. remnants of it. I absolutely promise you he tells everybody to call him Bulldog. Yeah. Well, he died in 2017. But, yeah, up until his death, but I'm sure. I'm sure his last words were, call me Bulldog. <laughs> Just once. Here's a list of freedoms I lost. <gasps> Life. That was his final words. We, we want to thank you for being here, Hot Dan the Mustard Man. And before you go, are there any uh, freedoms you'd like to uh, list that you lost? Yeah, you know, here's the thing. I started this book because I wanted to learn how to uh, beat up my attackers. I wasn't prepared for a quiz at the end about my freedoms. <laughs> so, uh, so you're saying no. You're, you haven't lost any freedoms worth mentioning. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not... Oh, la-dee-da, Mr. Prince. Yeah. Gun to my mm. head, I, I, I still pretty much do whatever I want. So. Fucking A. 
Fucking oh. A. Oh, okay, good. All right. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. It's a podcast canals. Und mit maximalem Schau. Doc Frankfurt Podcast. Correct. Yeah. Ich brauch dies nicht, brauch dies nicht ohne. Schick die in die Hundesau. Für eine Stunde. Komm schon. Du kennst die Nummer. This Dog Zone 9000 was made possible by contributions from Hot Dog Supremes like Benjamin Siren, Dr. Awkward, Yosari, Josh S., Zachary Evans, Adrian Hisbrook, Aiden Moat, Brianne Whitney, Josh Fabian, Armando Naba, Lyman, Toasty God, Neil Schaefer, Doug Redman, Jaber Al Aiden, David Forno, Mike Stiles, Eric Spaulding, the artist formerly known as Devin, Hawk, Neil Bailey, Micah Phillips, Yanis Ioannidis, Holly Poisonwell, John McCammon, Nick H., Matt Riley, Rhea, Rich Jocelyn, Ken Paisley, Timmy Leahy, Dean Costello, Three Finger Louie, Nick Ralston, Zadarfan, Jamie Gordon, John, and Jeremy Neal. Drinking the night away, drinking the night away. Get knocked down, but I get up again, you're never going to keep me down.